Hello and welcome to this week's Golf Shake podcast with me, Kieran Clark. Usually, I'm alongside my good friend and colleague Owen Davis, but unfortunately, Owen's away unpacking in his new house this week, so I'm joined by a very able replacement in the form of Golf Shake ambassador, Matt Holbrook, who joins me live from his wonderful home right now, the newly married man. Matt, welcome to the Golf Shake podcast once again for your second appearance. How are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Kieran Morden. Um, thanks for having me back on. Um, yeah, looking forward to uh, looking forward to getting involved and talking all things golf for the next half hour, forty minutes or so. Well, the conversation may never end. So it could be what, like an hour, an hour and a half. You never know. We'll see how it goes. There's a lot to discuss, a lot to go through from your own golf to the golf courses you've played. Obviously, we're now edging towards right into the winter season now where most people have kind of put their clubs away for the for the winter. But of course, Matt, you're one of the diehards who like to go out and play and keep going, keep working on your game. And that's why you've enjoyed the great improvement you've had in recent years. But we must quickly kind of jump into kind of out of the our own kind of sphere right now. And just briefly discuss, obviously, one of the big golf stories from this week, which, of course, was um, the return or the, the announced return to the professional game of Tiger Woods, who, of course, really has been out of action since re- re- early in the year when he withdrew from uh, Dubai in February, had to get spinal fusion surgery earlier in the spring. Then we saw him, of course, get arrested for a DUI in America. He pled guilty to that for reckless driving the other week. So... Off the golf course, things weren't going great for Tiger Woods, but of course, and even only a month or so ago, he was saying, well, he may never come back. He's not sure what what the future holds for him as a golfer. Obviously, the rehab was was critical for him this time after so many surgeries, so many physical issues. But now he's, you know, in in the past sort of four weeks or so, we've seen a, a variety of videos on social media progressing from just chipping to, you know, iron shots, the return of the legendary Tiger Stinger and hitting drivers as well. So Tiger's been kind of teasing us for the past few weeks. And then the other day, he announced he was going to come back and play in the Hero World Challenge, the event he hosts in the Bahamas in in a few weeks' time at the end of the month, at the end of November. So, you know, Tiger's coming back to the game perhaps quicker quicker than any of us could really have expected given what he was, the state he was in earlier in the year and even really only a few weeks ago and the word that we kind of heard around him so now he's kind of back in the in, in the scene again obviously last year he did this he came back and it didn't end very well for him but um again tiger he's still despite all the big names that we have in the game now all the top players who are winning major events and doing so well and really carrying the mantle that he had for so many years so brilliantly you know, Tiger still kind of moves the attention. We still we drop things down. We pay attention. Whenever Tiger gets out there and puts a statement out or puts a tweet out, people take notice of it. So, Matt, as a golf fan, you know, looking at Tiger in, in twenty seventeen, almost twenty eighteen, uh, when you see Tiger Woods come back to play professional golf, you know, as a golf fan, does that still excite you? Is Tiger still relevant in that conversation? I think um, I think time is definitely relevant in in any conversation as far as golf is concerned. Um, one one thing I would say about Tiger Woods is that he, whether you like him or hate him, he he markets his own brand in in, in a way that I don't think any mm-hmm. other sportsman does. And, and like you mentioned, dropping you know dropping the videos of him hitting certain shots on social media, um, you know, basically just teasing all the Tiger fans out there. Um, you know, but what what Tiger Woods does for golf is that all of a sudden. Everybody, like you say, everybody will drop everything and they want to talk about Tiger. And I know that there are some people out there that maybe are not his biggest fans. They should still have respect for him for what he's achieved in the game over the years and the way that he's really driven the game of golf forward. 
mm-hmm. but you can't you can't get away from the fact that Tiger Woods can only be good for the game of golf because everybody all of a sudden is talking about the 30th of November, um, his tournament that he's hosting, and the fact that mm-hmm. he's going to be back. Um, and even this morning, I'm looking at I'm looking at odds online of Tiger winning that tournament wire to wire. What are um, they? I, I don't think you get that. If, uh, I actually I, I didn't click on the link. I just saw a couple of tweets right. um, this morning around. You know, click click here for for the odds of Tiger winning wire to wire. Um, but you won't see that. You you won't get that type of enthusiasm or um, you know those types of tweets. I don't feel from from any other golfer coming back from injury. So whether he whether he does mm. go wire to wire, whether he withdraws after two holes. <laughs> well, hopefully, um, not. Ho- hopefully not but regardless the build up between now and the 30th mm. of November we're going to see a lot of Tiger Woods we're going to be hearing a lot about Tiger Woods um, ultimately if you're talking about Tiger Woods 95% of the time you're talking about the game of golf as well and that can only be a good thing for the game of golf so yeah, um, I-, I think it's great I think it's great to have him back um, yeah and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does yeah, absolutely, and uh, I think you're right there. You know, Tiger has this ability to draw people in greater than any other golfer. Because in the end, you know, Tiger was at one time, arguably, certainly in the top three most famous sports people in the world uh, at one point, and that's something a golfer really has never really achieved. Certainly, in the last forty years or so, and uh, and that was a very unique status he had, and uh, the, the draw he could put into the game, and uh, he kind of transcended golf. He went beyond golf. He became he was his own entity. So he has got this amazing drawing power to this day, and we do, as you say, drop things down and pay attention. And um, yeah, as you say, not everybody's a big Tiger Woods fan, but we 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 can't forget just how good he was. And you look at all the facts and figures; it was astonishing just how great he was. Uh, but of course, the question is now: now he's coming back into the game again. Obviously, he's approaching forty-two years of age. He's still you know, physically, if he's fit, you know, he still he still works out really well. He's still you know in great shape in many respects. But of course, he has all these niggling injuries there, and psychologically as well, where you know he's had so many problems through the past, essentially almost a decade now, and uh, he's bounced back from some of them. I think one of the great achievements of his career was actually getting back to world number one in 2013, having you know, fallen away down. He's obviously fallen way down from there. He's now outside the world's top 1,000. So he's he's coming back in really as a a new and almost a newborn into the professional game again. He's starting afresh at an older age against all these formidable young talents. Who I think quite crucially, and it's important to note, many of them were really inspired by Tiger Woods when they were growing up, and that's why they're there. And I've always said that the greatest legacy that Tiger has in the game right now are these players everyone talks about at the top from Justin Thomas to Jordan Spieth to Rory McIlroy all these guys you know they were all part of the Tiger Woods generation when he emerged and they're all kind of archetypes like him uh, and of course many of them actually have a good relationship with Tiger Justin Thomas in particular was almost like he'd be mentored by Tiger uh, behind the scenes and Tiger's played a very important role in the past year or so in, in US team competitions as well so Tiger's influence is there away from the course but seeing him back on the golf course is exciting I'm certain that all the players will love to have him back because he brings attention to everything it makes everything it elevates every event and every every tournament you know, this is a, essentially a little end of season exhibition he's playing in the Hero World Challenge but now it's going to take on a whole other identity just because he's in the field so who knows what's going to happen but my question and I've been thinking about this in the past couple of days is when Tiger's coming back to the game now after all that's happened to him injury wise off the golf course psychologically the way his game was last year obviously the real depth of talent we now have in the top level of the game you know, how do we how do we gauge what is a success for Tiger in this return is it 
you know, just getting through events? Is it making cuts? Is it winning again? I don't know. Do we hold Tiger to a different standard? So, Matt, for you, what do you think in the next few months, if Tiger comes back and plays again regularly, what could be considered a successful return for Tiger, do you think? Well, I think I think what Tiger needs to do is he needs to get... I think he needs to try and stay injury-free. Um, I think he needs to get maybe a string of three or four tournaments under his belt before we can really kind of get a get a good understanding of, of where his game's at and what he's able to do. Um, obviously, he's made some swing changes yeah. given some of the injuries that he's had. Um, and I just think that he needs to just get out and compete for, you know, two or three weeks on tour. Um, he's probably picked the perfect tournament to, 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 to come back from his latest injury. Um, and it'd just be interesting to see what he does in the first couple of days. Um, what, what would be interesting, I think, if, if Tiger now just maybe need, mm-hmm. he needs to just kind of play his own game. Um, I think it'll be interesting. We might see two different Tigers um, because we know that he's, as a, as a character, as a person, he's, he's an extremely competitive person. Um, and I think I think the, the, the real telling factor for him will be if he gets a draw with some of the bigger mm-hmm. hitters. You know, if, he, if he's in a free ball with Dustin Johnson and um, Justin Thomas or Bruce Kepka or, you know, someone that can really send the ball out there. Um, I don't yeah. think Tiger's able to keep up with those guys anymore. And I think that if he if he goes toe to toe with those guys, mm-hmm. um, it'd be interesting to see if he really tries to, um, you know, almost get too much out yeah. of his game at an early stage, um, rather than just kind of play within himself. You know, I understand that he may be twenty thirty yards behind these guys now, um, but I still believe that he's probably mm-hmm. got the golf shots that he needs to to to, to be able to compete. Um, and he just needs to play the course. And I, it's a bit of a corny phrase, but he, he needs to play the course instead of playing the person that's standing next to him. Um, and then, you know, as long as he's relaxed and he stays injury free and, you know, let, let's give him a few tournaments before we get really, really excited. Um, and then we just see, see where it goes from there. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. And uh, I think playing within himself, you're relying on the skills he has and the golfing intelligence he has as a, a strategy golfer. Uh, it's something he could certainly benefit from in, the, in kind of the next few years if he was to come back and play regularly. So I think in the end with Tiger, we don't really know what to expect. And uh, we've seen returns before that have ended you know, in tears, have ended in more injuries, more disasters. I think really here, this is probably his last chance, I think, in the end. He can't if this doesn't work out, then that's it, 100%. Um, when you have spinal fusion surgery, that's really the, the last one you can really have. And uh, so it has to, hopefully it works for him, even just as, a, as a human being, that he physically gets well again and he's pain-free, or at least for the most part. And, it, and whatever happens, he can actually just enjoy the rest of his life you know, in a relatively physically you know, good manner. But obviously playing some golf there would be, would be fantastic in there. I think you're right there in terms of the events he's going to play. Obviously he'll play this event here, which, which there is no cut in, so he has four guaranteed days of golf. Last year he actually led the field in birdies in that event, but finished third last. So it shows that there's still some skills there. Obviously not quite the consistency, but there's still some talent there. And then he played, he'll likely play obviously the Torrey Pines where he's won many times before in the start of the year. And he'll probably go and play in the Middle East if he if he's still fit and healthy there. So we'll see Tiger hopefully in events in the new year as well, should this one go quite well. But I think in the end, in the end, whatever you think of Tiger Woods as an individual, what he's achieved and whatever else, I think nobody can deny that even just the, the, the possibility of seeing Tiger Woods going up against Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth or whoever on the back nine of a big event, that would imagine that the attention that would draw in it would be astonishing. You know, if Tiger could somehow get into contention in a in a big event again, it would be you know it'd be must view TV. So whatever happens to Tiger, 
we hope it works out well because in the end, you know, yeah, there's so many great stars nowadays and we love talking about the young guys and they're great to watch and they handle themselves so well. But Tiger has this, as I say, this kind of transcendent ability to just uh, go beyond golf and just uh, bring in a different audience and just add a, a real kind of razzmatazz and intoxication to any event he's part of. So it'll be fascinating to see and it will actually, you know, in the end, it will make this event, the Hero World Challenge from Albany in the Bahamas, a must-watch event at the end of this month. So one to look forward to and we'll certainly be talking about it, as everyone will, on the Golf Shake podcast when we get there. But now... Talking about another transcendent figure in golf, and that's Matt Holbrook, of course, who's my guest on this week's podcast, because they're very keen and very dedicated and very passionate Golf Shake ambassador. And Matt, we've had you back on the podcast earlier in the year, and we talked about your journey in the game from really being a, a novice to where you are now, kind of verging on single figures as a handicapped golfer, you, how you've used the Golf Shake score tracker to track your scores throughout that time and see your progress and chart your stats and see what areas of the game you need to improve on. But kind of just taking us a little bit away from that initially and talking a little bit about some of the golf courses you've played this year and even in recent years many of them of course have come through working with golf shake and some of the things we can help you be part of so talk us through obviously the, the, the Ryder Cup Matt is only a year away now we're kind of hyping that up already at this point you know we saw the events from the Golf National a couple of weeks ago when they had the year to go celebrations there Owen was at, uh, at the Golf National a few weeks ago interviewing guys there being part of that he actually played the golf course and apparently played it very well you know, as, he, as a course he would went out and free under effect in the front line so Owen can certainly play so Matt you've in the, in the past few years you've managed to play so many of the, the, the legendary Ryder Cup venues in, in the UK and Ireland you've played Glen Eagles you've played Celtic Manor and the Belfry and the K Club. So, and you at the Belfort just the other day as part of the Golf Shake event there on Tuesday. So, Matt, talk us through some of the, the Ryder Cup golf courses you've played and, and your experiences of those. Well, I think, um, I think first of all, I was actually, uh, I was, as, as you mentioned, I was with, uh, I was with Owen on Tuesday and um, he, he did mention uh, his, his recent round at the Golf National and he said it. Oh, did he? I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he said that he, uh, he had a few funny looks when he, uh, when he got in and um, I believe that he, I think he won, he won that little, uh, that little competition with, I think he said he, he shot 37 points, I believe. And I think the next near he's had something like 26 mm. or 27. Um, the boy can play. Yeah, yeah, he can. Um, but yeah, no, he did say that that, that course was tough, but you know, it's interesting. I've seen some interviews with, with players like, I mean, I know Tommy Fleet was one there this year, I believe, but, um, yeah, it's, it seems to be a course mm-hmm, that the yeah. pros, um, re-enjoy. So hopefully that will give us uh, give us a bit of an advantage mm-hmm. um, next year in the actual in the actual competition. But um, yeah, so I've I've um, I've I've played uh, as you said I played uh, I played Belfry. I've uh, I've been over to Celtic Manor a couple of times. We we went to K Club. Um, I think we went to K Club this year um, and Glen Eagles the year before. Um, I think the I think. The, the the best one for me, head and shoulders, was was Glen Eagles. Not necessarily the the PGA, the Ryder Cup, but the King's Course at Glen Eagles was absolutely stunning. But what I really enjoy about going to to see those uh, and playing those courses is is not just the the quality of the golf mm. course you get; it's also yeah. the the experience that's part of it. So um, I know different courses kind of do different things, um, you know. But one of the nice things about going to play the twenty ten at, at mm-hmm. Celtic Manor, which if I'm being brutally honest, if I was to rank those Ryder Cup courses, that would probably come fourth out of the four that I've played. Um, but the experience you get going into the 2010 clubhouse, walking around in the in, in the locker room, seeing the players, um, seeing the players' lockers that they used, mm-hmm. and you know, seeing all the pictures and the memorabilia, it really gives you a sense of 
of how grand the event is if you haven't if you've if you've never been to a Ryder Cup, you can really get a sense and a feel of of just what it means to the players. Um, and it's it's just nice. One thing that I really enjoy about it is is you know you hit that first tee shot and, and as you walk off, you you just think of all the players that have walked in those exact footsteps as you have. Yeah. Um. In in years gone by, um. The the Belfry for me, the, the Braverson, um. Is, is is a great golf course. I know it doesn't tick boxes for absolutely everybody, but one thing I'd say about that place is, um, you know, we, we I, I know again, you know, I witnessed it firsthand on on Tuesday this week was the amount of golfers that they get out in that golf course and the amount of traffic that they have. That course is always in pristine condition. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever come away from the belt uh, from from playing the Bravers and thinking, well, you know, the, the, the greens are a little bit slow today or. You know, this was out of place or that was out of place. It's, it's always pristine over there. And some of the deals that you can get at the uh, at the Brabs are, are really, really worth the money. Um, you know, and and taking on the tenth is, is is great fun. And you know, hitting that hitting that second shot over the water on the eighteenth is um, you know it's just it's it's what as as golfers it's what we look forward to. It's the experiences that you know some people are lucky enough to be able to do it, others aren't. But you know, it's it's the best thing about it is it's it's available to everybody. You know, if if um, you know, if, if you if you can afford it, and you know, as I say, you can get some really great deals at the mm. Belfry this time of year. Um, you know, it is really achievable to share those moments that the stars and the heroes of of, uh, of years gone by have done as well. And that's that's what I really enjoy about that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Matt's right there. There are awesome great deals at the Belfry, and do try and check those out on the golfbreaks.com. They have all the best ones there, and there's something some nice packages there over the autumn, winter months, and towards the spring of next year, and you get some really good deals. And as Matt said, the golf course is always in tremendous condition. But something kind of interested me there in what you said, Matt, about the golf courses, and you said there that none of these would really be in your the best among the best that you've played necessarily. But the experiences are obviously so good. So as a golfer, what do you look for more when you go to a new venue? Is it the overall experience and the way it's dressed up? Or is it the golf course? Do you separate the two in your mind? Um, well, we've, I've, I've now run, I've now put together five trips in the past five years. Um, and even though it was way, way back, Prince's, uh, we went to Prince's in 2014, mm. which um, did, did hold the Open many, many years ago. Um, yeah. what, what I look for, because... A lot of people say to me, oh, you know, you should go and try this course because it's a lovely golf course. Or go and play that course because it's a lovely golf course. And, you know, one thing we are blessed with in the UK mm-hmm. are lots and lots of lovely golf courses. What I look for when I go away is I look to I look at playing, um, you know, a, a course that you may have played on. Um, so you may have watched on TV or you may have played on a computer game or, um, you know, those those really iconic courses where, um, you know, that have either held Ryder Cups or held Opens or recent European Tour events. Um, because as, as I say because just you, you almost feel like you can mm. then therefore almost compete with some of the players that you might see on TV um, and I remember you know a, a lot of the times more so at Celtic Manor in the 2010 it really stood out for me was you know we, <laughs> we might be playing off the yellows or if you're feeling really brave you play off the whites and then you know you might be playing a 440 yard par 4 into wind and then you look back and you've got the, the black the championship tees maybe another 50, 60, 70 yards behind and that's when you really get a sense for how good these guys are. Um, when you see these guys ripping up these golf courses where yeah. you're, you're not doing so well <laughs> and they're probably playing it a good few hundred yards longer than, than what you are as well. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I don't, you know, in terms of the physical course, the condition, yeah. it's not, um, you know, it, it, it's obviously it's important for me as, mm-hmm. as a golfer, but, um, you know, I've got lovely golf courses on my doorstep that are in pristine condition as well. Um, so if I'm going away and I'm travelling away, I just I just look for something that can give me that that little bit more um, 
in, in terms of uh, experience rather than just a golf course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you mentioned there, obviously, walking in the footsteps of, of great players and trying to emulate some of the shots that they've played through the years. And I think nowhere else quite embodies that quite as much as uh, the old course at St Andrews, obviously, having hosted so many opens and events throughout the years and being such a historic and iconic venue. And you had the chance to play there uh, last year. And of course, uh, Matt, almost fittingly for this head of, he- ahead of this podcast, he actually put together his list of top 10 golf courses that he's played. And none of the Ryder Cup ones actually were on the list. The Kings at Glen Eagles was number two, but number one was the old course he played, which, which he played last year. So Matt, I'm obviously very biased towards the old course. You know, I love what it represents. I love what it is. I love the atmosphere around it, the aura around it. I love playing it. You know, I played there last week. It's just always a thrill for me. Uh, so tell, give us some insight. Obviously, not everybody has played St. Andrews. Obviously, they've seen it on TV so many times. They've, they want to go there. A lot of people have been there, thankfully, because the golf course is so accessible. And that's a great thing about it. But not everybody's had that experience of actually standing on the first tee dealing with that kind of setting those nerves and playing that golf course and emulating some of those famous shots and playing those great holes and walking up the last and crossing the bridge and all the rest of it. So give us some insight, Matt, into your experience that day last year and just what playing the old course for the first time meant to you. Um, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Absolutely yep. amazing. If, if I could describe it in one word, it would just be amazing. Um, and the experience, <laughs> the, the, the experience for me actually started um, the evening before when we arrived in St. Andrews because mm-hmm. Um, so we actually, um, we, we chose to do Glen Eagles and St. Andrews that year as I turned 30. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it was nice to go and do, mm-hmm. you know, not just mix it with, you know, I was doing my normal trip to Glen Eagles, but to be able to throw St. Andrews into that, to that four days that we had away as well. Um, but we'd actually stopped. So we traveled up, um, from sort of Essex, Cambridgeshire way the day before and we'd stopped. We stopped in. Um, uh, we stopped and played a, a course that's on the um, Euro Pro Tour, uh, Longhurst Hall. Um, so we played that to to do a review uh, for Golf Shake on on the Friday, mm-hmm. and yep. from there we drove up and we stayed. Um, we just stayed in a B and B at St Andrews. Um, so we had a, we arrived at St Andrews the night before, literally as the sun was setting. So as we as we pulled into St Andrews Town, instead of going straight to the hotel, we decided to, to go straight to the old course. And we found the little car park just beyond the uh, just beyond the old course there, the, the first and the first tier, the 18th green. And we just had a little wander up and down the 18th and the first. Um, and we probably spent 30, 40 minutes just walking up and down um, and just taking in, um, you know, uh, atmosphere is the wrong word because it was it, the sun was going down. It wasn't there wasn't loads of golfers on the course at that time. Um, but you just you just sense that you're in what is quite a special place, not just the course but the town of St Andrews. Um, and to watch mm. the sunset and um, walking up and down, and we, you know, we went over and looked at the Himalayas, and obviously you stand in your, you, you pose for your, your standard photos that you would take when you're, when you're visiting such a place. So that, that, at that point, we, we were there, we were taking the photos, we were walking up and down, um, and that kind of really set up for, for the next day. I don't think I've got that much sleep that evening. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the following day, you, you know, you're up early, you're excited, you want to head down to the course, you want to spend as much time as you possibly can there. Um, you know, we, we, we went down into the, um, in, into the pro shop and we, um, you know, because it was that special occasion for us and we knew it might be a few years until we get the opportunity to play it again. We, we went for the option we caddies as well, which just totally added. Yeah. I mean, it, it, a few people said, you know, if, if, you know, because it was a, a special occasion for me, it's, you know, it does add a, another few quid on the price, but I'm thinking to myself, you know, you're mm-hmm. you're there, you're at the home of golf. It's 
you know, I might not get another chance to do it for a good few years. So I'm going to make the most of it and add to the experience. And, you know, then, then, then we got shuttled down to the, uh, to, to the first team. You know, just, it's just the, the photos, mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the caddies are there telling stories and, um, yeah, and, you know, even little things like I've, I was actually having a clear out the other day and I found a free bottle of water mm-hmm. that I took from St. Andrews. Um, that I've still got in my drawer, right? <laughs> um, it's holy water. You're never going to drink it. <laughs> I, I don't think I'm ever going to drink it. There, there is a little bit gone. I don't know if it's just naturally it's just evaporating. But, <laughs> evaporated. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but it's still there and it's still sealed. And I don't know why I took it, but I did. And, you know, then, then you get your, you know, your, your little velvet bag and your tees, your scorecard, your stroke mm-hmm. saver. And, you know, just, just everything about the place just, you know, oozes class. It oozes tradition. It oozes history. And, um, yeah, and then, then just stood, stood there on the first tee, and you know it was just just incredible. Wait, waiting to hit that first tee shot, and obviously I found the fairway. Oh, um, what do you mean? Obviously, Matt, it's not it's not as easy as you think. <laughs> Some of us have historically had you know, famously problem you know, many issues on that first hole. As I keep telling people, I've got a a higher scoring average on the first hole than I've got on the seventeenth in the old course. Wow, but that's the. the pr- the pressure gets to me. When you stand on that first tee, if the fairway was maybe half the width of what it actually is, I'd never <laughs> miss it. It's so wide, you play into the wind. The, honestly, I, I've i got a shocking record in that first hole, but I'm glad to hear you did better than me, Matt. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to say, actually, I walked away with a par on the first hole. Um, it was, it, oh, I'm very jealous. It, it, was, it was playing into the wind. I bite your hand off. Yeah, it was, it was playing into the wind that day, and... Um, it was it was quite funny because there, there was three of us and we actually there was three there was three of us and there was um we, we actually got paired with um a guy from America who had been I believe I think he said he'd been to Luxembourg on business mm-hmm. and instead of flying straight back to America he flew to Scotland to play the old course before flying back to America um and I can't remember the chap's name but but he he made he made off four <laughs> um and I remember walking down the walking down the first mm-hmm. and uh, my, my my buddy Steve he 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 reached his ball. Um, and he, he took his uh, he took his rangefinder out, and his, his caddy turned to him and said, "Well, well, you can put it that way. You're not going to need that today." Um, <laughs> that's why that's why you're that, paying. Yeah, me. that's that's <laughs> why you're paying him. But but I remember the um my my caddy. I I, I always remember his, he, 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 they they called him Lurch because he was about six foot five. Um, and we stood over me ball, and he just looked at me and he, he and, and he said to me, he said, "You've got about 150 odd yards to the pin, but into the wind, it's going to be playing about 163 yards. Quite specific." He said, "If you," uh, he said, "What what what club would you normally hit that yard?" Mm. I said, "You know, probably into the wind. It may be a seven iron." He said, "Okay." He said, "Just hit a full seven iron. Start it out on on this part of the hotel." Um, and I remember just literally, I, I just, I I trusted him a hundred and ten percent in exactly what he said, and I, and I hit the seven iron. It went up into the wind. It 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 come round right to left into the wind a little bit. It dropped and it rolled up about six seven foot past the hole. Um, and I thought to myself, from that moment on, whatever that guy says to me, I'm going to do. Um, and it, and that just again wow. just having that added to the experience that that he's playing the old calls yeah. and um, obviously what what you do find is you go on the practice putting green and you realise that the greens are so so fast you, you you therefore you leave your first three or four mm-hmm. putts about ten foot short because you're so scared of putting them you know they're lightning fast and you're so scared of knocking them fifteen foot past you end up leaving them six seven foot short um, but yeah please please just our two putting baby <laughs> par and then just and then just yeah run away from there and. You know, and then with with the caddies, the the, the experience of doing it, and, yeah. um, you know, listening to some of the stories and their their knowledge and their insight of the golf course, and you know, you stop for photos, obviously, as you go around as well. And, um, the you get you get your little hut halfway around the little van that was doing the coffees with whiskey, and 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, then and then you get to the seventeenth, which you know the seventeenth, eighteenth, and the first are probably the three most iconic holes on the golf course. And you realise when you're actually stood on that seventeenth tee, you realise just how much of a tough tee shot it is. Um, and then you know play, playing the eighteenth, going over the bridge, having your photos taken there. Um, I actually had another really good tee shot on eighteenth, mm-hmm. but I'm embarrassed to say that I finned an eight iron through the back of the green and ended up making a five. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. But um, but yeah, no, it's just it's, it's an experience. It is. It, it can be. It can be quite pricey. But what I'd say is, if you're thinking about doing it, if you're going to do it, do do everything. Do absolutely everything you can, and just tell yourself this is the experience. It's potentially for some people it can be once in a lifetime, but it's something that you won't regret. And you know, to this day, I still have the picture of, of mm-hmm. me and my buddies standing on the first tee. Um, with the old RNA building behind us as my as my desktop on my laptop, um, yeah, and it's just yeah, in, incredible memories and, and something that I was lucky enough to do. Um, and I'd say to anybody, you know, if you're going to do it, do, just just go and do it. It's it's incredible. It is. It is the ultimate experience in golf, and uh, it is they dress up so well and they present it so well, and it is you know it's just. Um, I played with a guy last week for the first who's playing there for the first time. And he he was so he, he was he was amazed by it all. And he said, "How can anyone say this is overrated? It was just the best thing. He loved it so much." And we actually played with a guy from the US who'd actually been queuing up, you know, since the wee hours of the morning. And I recall playing. This is how how dedicated and how keen some people are when they come here to play for the first time. It is like a pilgrimage for them, and they come from all across the world. And we had a guy, two guys actually, back in August. I played with a, a gentleman from Twitter. Who I know well, Matt from from the US, another Matt indeed from Phoenix, Arizona, and um, so Scottsdale, she's the Arizona, and uh, we were there. We played at uh, I think it was five o'clock in the in the evening, in the late afternoon. It was a gorgeous night, a bit breezy, but it was lovely sunshine, and we were paired up with these two American guys who had been queuing up quite literally since half past three in the morning. They'd been there for 14 hours just waiting for a chance, not even a guarantee, just a chance of getting on the old course. It was astonishing. And they, they were they were so pleased to get on and they had a great time going round. But to be sitting there for 14 hours and they turned up, as I say, at half past three in the morning. Wow. And when they got there, they were the 19th and 20th people there. Guys have been queuing up since half past 11 the previous night just for a chance to get on. And that was at the end of August. And just absolutely astonishing. And this shows you kind of how much it means to people to actually get on that course and play it. And to kind of, you know, the, the St Andrews Links Trust like to say, write your own history into the kind of fabric of the old course. And it's kind of like that. We're on, when you're on that first tee, you're part of history. It's, it's your it's your tee at that point. All the greats have been there. They crawl across the bridge. And it has that, it, it oozes character. And the golf course itself is, is fascinating the way it's laid out. And it is obviously very unique and very uh, influential in the way it was designed, uh, really naturally designed over, as time kind of progressed. And um, it's as I kind of say to people, it's both the narrowest and widest golf course I've ever seen because it's the tiniest bit of land that it's on. And But yet the golf course plays quite wide off the tee. Although there is more to it than just that because it has got its challenges, particularly if you play it in a 30 mile per hour wind that I did last week where the golf course becomes a completely different animal. And it's fair to say that Ross Fisher would not have shot 61 uh, last Wednesday because it was it was quite tough going, particularly when you go out towards the turn and you played, um, especially the 11th, the par 3, you know, 
such a great hole, the one that the, the caddies always call the shortest par five in Scotland. And my goodness, playing that into a wind like we did last week, it's facing the estuary, a cold breeze. You're going in there with four or five clubs more than what you normally would and it becomes such an impossible task because that green's really hard to hit and the challenges, the the, the penalties if you miss it are just so stark. So it's, it's a wonderful place, a wonderful golf course and one that all, it you each time you go back there and play, you play it differently. The course never plays the same. It's very unique the way it plays. You can play it in so many different ways. And you play in different winds and different conditions. It changes altogether. And it's the ultimate experience. And as Matt says there, if you want to do it, go and do it. Because you only live once. It's a bit of a cliche, but it is true. It's, a, it's certainly one the ultimate thing. If you're a golfer, you've got to go. Spend the money, as Matt says, on a caddy. They help so much. They're so influential around there. And uh, you'll write your own history and walk in the footsteps of all those great golfers. So yeah, well said, Matt. I have to, I wholeheartedly agree. But of course, I'm somewhat biased to being a resident of the St Andrews, but uh, which is something I still can't quite believe. But there we are, a dream come true indeed. But yeah, yeah. Matt, kind of jumping off to a different topic now. We're, we're really are kind of going on here with the time, but in the end, it doesn't matter. We're unrestricted. We can do what we want. So we'll keep talking. We, we can indeed, and obviously. You mentioned uh, some of the golf courses that you've played, and this year you went to Mauritius fairly recently because, as uh, I touched on at the start of the podcast, Matt Holbrook, indeed, he finally found somebody who would marry him. It took, it took him a very long time, but he got there in the end. It was all sight. It's all official. It's all right there on paper. It's you know it's legal, and uh, he's married. And, and for his honeymoon, they went off to Mauritius. And of course, ironically, that's, that's actually a part of a competition we have in Golf Shake right now, where uh, the bucket list golf course competition where which you can find it on the website we'll share it on social media again and also in the email newsletters where you go on there put in your top three bucket list courses and the price for that if you're drawn out randomly is a seven night trip to Mauritius to play some wonderful golf courses and, and obviously incredible surrounds so Matt when you were there a few weeks ago you know what was the what was the experience like of going to Mauritius what was the what were the golf courses like what were the hotels like the welcome the whole hospitality how was your time in, Mar- in Mauritius when you were there yeah, so Mauritius was uh, Mauritius was amazing. Um, just even even away from golf uh, as a as a, a destination in, in particular for a honeymoon. There's, there's lots of honeymooners mm. that go to Mauritius, um, and I, I was lucky enough to um, to, to to go and play um, a, a course in Mauritius called uh, Illa Surfs, um, which is based on an island. Um, so it's pretty much the only thing that's on this island. You've got the golf course one side, and you've got a little private beach on the other side. Um, I'll say just just in general. So you know the the, the hospitality, the, the the way you get looked after is is just incredible. And and look, to be honest, I think you do expect that sort of thing when you go to such a such a, a country resort, whichever way you want to look at it, a destination. Um, but you know, so so I booked onto the golf course and they they send a bus to the hotel and they and they come and pick myself and my wife up and she's she's not a golf player she don't play golf but on this particular day she was obviously quite happy to come and drive the buggy around and take some photos and um so yeah so as as you as so you pull into what feels like a, a normal entrance to a golf course and you drive down this little um this little country road that kind of gets smaller and smaller as you get down there. Um, and eventually you, you kind of come to a dead end where it's just a little walkway through to uh, to a jetty. Um, and for those people that take their own clubs, you carry your bags down, down down onto the jetty where you wait for where you wait for the boat to come and collect you. So you, your clubs and yourself, you get loaded onto the boat and you're on the boat for about, I'd say about five or six minutes. Um, and you get to what just looks like another jetty on, you know, it looks generally it looks like a bit of a deserted island as you arrive there. There's, you know, you've just got crystal clear seawater. 
um, and and this 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 jetty. So you get out, and, and as you walk across the jetty, you get to the the entrance of the island in theory. And the calls they send down these um, these things that you get twelve people on the bus, the golf clubs, and they drive you up through um, through part of the golf course up to the clubhouse where you know there's almost it almost felt like there was a member of staff waiting to greet every single golfer um, as you go into the you know beautifully put together clubhouse and um, you know exotic trees and it, it's just it's just out of this world the the, the whole experience. So then you, you head into the pro shop and the pro shop there wasn't it, it wasn't massive but it had everything that you would need. Um, but as part of your green fee, mm-hmm. that does include um, a sleeve of balls, a logo, some tees, um, your buggy, um, you know. And but literally, you get you know you get your tea time, and, and you say, look, you you can go and collect your buggy t- half an hour before your tea time. And as you go out there, your clubs are loaded onto your buggy. You've got your waters in your ice box. You've got your tees. You've got your balls. All the buggies have got the GPS systems built in. And then you head up to the range that you've got, um, you know, a grass range with pyramids of balls, and it's it's just those little just those little touches that to add to the experience you know you, you literally you could turn up with your glove your shoes and your golf clothes and you wouldn't need anything else um and the actual course itself is just just stunning i mean the the, the scenery i think you you run parallel with the sea um on a good number of the holes a lot of them have got other water features and fountains um the general condition of the course is is really really good if i'm being totally honest i've played courses that are in better condition but I understand that with the um, with the nature of the climate out there, it's very hard to maintain, um, and the different types of grass and the different types of sand in the bunkers and that, and that type of thing. Um, but it's it's very well manicured. The flowers, the trees. Um, I think I've got um, like old stones that are kind of formed on the island as, as that form part of the golf course as well, which is which is really really nice. And you know, as you pass shots, and you know, you can see mm-hmm. the sea, and you know, you can see uh, other islands that are close by. At one point, you're actually playing parallel to a private beach, and you've got some of the locals there that are making barbecues on the beach. And I mean, it's just it's just a surreal experience, you know. I mean, you've you've got as as I said earlier, you've got nice golf courses that you can go and play, and Inner Surf is a is a is a an absolute out of this world golf course. But when you mix that with the weather, the sea, um, you know, the whole experience, it's just it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It, you know, it's it's right up there. Um, as you mentioned in my top ten, it, it came in at number three for a reason. Um, and yeah, just just absolutely incredible. Probably one of the yeah, right up there, one of the best experiences <laughs> I've had as as far as golf is concerned. Yeah, it sounds great. And if you want to have a a chance to experience Mauritius for yourself, the golf, the hospitality, the the weather, everything about it, then do check out that uh, competition, the bucket list golf course competition on the Golf Shake, where you can have a chance of of winning that great prize and, and sampling that for yourself. It's a very easy thing to do. Is put in your your top three golf courses that you want to go and play, and uh, that can actually open the door for you to go and play uh, golf in Mauritius and have a dream holiday there. So it sounds great. And of course, but of course, I must quickly say. We on the previous podcast we did actually, we did actually discuss many of the entries we've already had for the bucket list competition. And some people, of course, did kind of misunderstand what we were asking, and indeed took their answers to a somewhat surreal and unusual place. So, if you're going to enter, try and be a little bit more sensible. Some people were kind of missed the point and got a little bit silly, which is which is fine. But um, some of the entries were certainly unique and. Uh, they gave me much amusement, I've got to say, indeed, so I enjoyed reading them. But uh, if you want to come in your top three bucket list courses, they could take you potentially to Mauritius, and that's a great prize. And as Matt says there, it's a wonderful destination and one that I think anybody would relish the chance to experience for themselves. But Matt, as I said at the start of the podcast, obviously now we're in, in, in November, 
We're in the winter time. Golf courses are kind of entering their winter mode. Everyone's kind of some people are putting the golf clubs away now for the winter. They won't play until the new year. Maybe they go to the range one or two times. But obviously, some of us like to go out and play regularly and keep our game in check over the winter. So, Matt, since you've really got into golf in the last few years and the progress that you've had, you've tracked through the Golf Shake Score Tracker and those stats and so on. How that's guided your your progress in the last few years. Just how important has your work during the winter been to improvement in your game and in your handicap? And what are your plans for this winter coming up? Yes, yeah, so what I found in the last in the last few years, I've um, I've really worked on um, just all aspects of my game uh, mm-hmm. over the winter, and I kind of um, you know we, we have quite a fun winter league where where I'm a member where we play different formats, which which is nice. It gets people out when it's you know when it is cold and when it is raining and muddy and um, you know that 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 is really really good. But I've always taken the stance that you know if I can if I can work to consistently play in or around to my handicap through the winter months, then come um, you know, come springtime when the courses start to start to improve and the ball starts to go a little bit further and the greens maybe are running a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you've, if you've managed to stick in and around your handicap for the winter time, come spring, you should be in a good position to, um, a, a good position to really have an attack at, at you know, at knocking a couple of shots off your handicap. And that seems to have worked well for me in the last two or three years. Um, what I found this year is though I've, I've been playing a lot more club competitions this year. So I haven't entered as many competitions as I would like to um in the last 12 months um but that's that's been nice that's been a nice break away from maybe just enjoying the golf and um you know the 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 camaraderie that you get with playing team competitions and we actually as a team we got through to the final of one of the essex based competitions this year which we i want to say we narrowly lost the final but we didn't narrowly lose it we got we got well and truly turned over in the final um yeah, but but this year, um, what what I really want to work on this year is um, is just short game. It's literally just short game, chipping and putting, chipping and putting, chipping and putting. Um, but what I'd also like to look at this year is I don't want to say golf fitness in particular, but um, you know maybe look at some kind of um, golf related exercises that I can do through the winter. Um, so if there are any any pros out there that have got anything that you know they they can point me in the direction of to you know whether it's to work on a bit of flexibility or I know some people I know have done kind of golf specific mm-hmm. yoga in the past and they kind of swear by that I'm, I'm just looking at something different this year to, to, to keep myself motivated and keep myself moving throughout the winter if somebody said to me go to the gym four times a week I wouldn't do it um, but you know if there's some things that I can do even in the house I've got some of the, uh, the golf band training aids that are good for mm-hmm. certain stretches and, and flexibility work and stuff like that so I'm just looking maybe to try something a little bit different this year compared to what I've done in the previous years um, but any, any range work or, or anything like that is going to be you know, hopefully purely based around wedges. I'm looking at maybe 120 yards in because that's, oh, I know from my stats, that's, that's my scoring zone for me. And, um, you know, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm sharp come, come the start of the, come the start of the season. Uh, I want to make sure that I'm really sharp in, you know, getting up and down, scrambling, saving pars, um, you know, making birdies on par fives a little bit more. So yeah, so that's, that's what I'm really going to focus mm-hmm. on this year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that sounds like a great plan. And I think you're, you, you raise a good point there. I think, I think in the end, many of us, too many golfers, and I'm certainly having one of those in the past few years where you play throughout the summer, then at the winter, you just stop playing entirely. And I have went through years where I haven't played at all. Swan Golf Club during the winter. Uh, the odd range session here or there, but nothing really substantive at all. And in the end, when you get towards the spring, you're almost yeah. starting afresh again, as if you've never played before. And, and that sets you back and then 
trying to get your game back into shape. And then by the end of the summer, you finally got it back. But, oh no, the season's over. So wait until next year and the cycle repeats itself. But of course, by doing what you're doing and playing throughout the winter, winter leagues, going to the range, hitting shots, working on your game, that keeps you sharp. And when you get towards the springtime, you can actually enjoy the better conditions with a, really, a, a much more solid golf game. And a game that gives you a standard where you can actually go out and just enjoy yourself. So rather than struggling around all the time. So yeah, I think in the end, to, obviously when you're in the winter time, it's you know dark nights, days are shorter. Maybe the time isn't quite there to get out in the golf course unless you go out in the weekends. Uh, obviously time is limited, and, but... Maybe some people don't have decent ranges nearby them, but if you can get out there and swing swing and work in your game, hit shots, just keep yourself in check, then it can make an awful lot of difference to your game. And, and Matt's progress certainly would be a testament to that in terms of his handicap in the past few years that's consistently dropped every year. And it's been very impressive uh, in terms of the progress he's had. And uh, and again, the hard, again, you have to work for it, really, that's it. And the hard work you know does pay in the end. And, uh, and much of that comes down to what you do in the winter months and trying to keep your game in check. So... Yeah, I think you're right there, Matt. Trying to work in your game is a, an important aspect of it, and uh, the, the work never ends, even if the sunshine goes away. I think, and that's probably the the message to put out there. And again, if you're looking for kind of drills to work on throughout the winter, you know, tips and stats, even some fitness stuff as well. We have lo- all that stuff on the, the tuition section on Golf Shake too. So many great videos there and whatnot, and uh, keeping people in check and give you some advice to and what stuff to, to follow if you want to work in a particular aspect of your game. There's a tip there for you, and uh, I drill from some great PGA professionals from across the UK who have some really good advice there, and give you some simple bits of advice that you could perhaps follow and to make a difference to your game in the the year ahead. So, Matt, obviously, we're coming to the end of your stint, your breakthrough appearance on the Golf Shape podcast, and uh, I do thank you once again for your time on this podcast. It's been a real pleasure to sit down and talk with you. Obviously, we kind of went on a little bit longer than perhaps we'd intended to but I think the conversation was was flowing so well we had to keep it going there was so much to discuss so Matt having had a solo stint as the main guest without Owen being here on the podcast what is your view your, what is your view do I even need Owen to come back on the podcast anymore can I just have you permanently what do you think probably not I mean I think Owen's probably redundant now um I know that he's uh, I know that he's got a few a few nice bits coming up um, with uh, with with golf shake over the next few weeks, and I know that he's been playing a lot of golf this year as well. Um, and I know that he's mm-hmm. uh, he's had a pretty good a pretty good finish to his season. But uh, look, if he's if he's uh, he comes to be busy, um, if he really is busy, then I'm quite happy to to, to stand in for him as and whenever he uh, as and whenever you guys need it. I'm I'm always going to be on hand. Um, quite happy to come on and talk about anything that you want me to talk about. I've always got lots to say. Um, unfortunately. It, yeah, even after even after four weeks of marriage, the wife is already bored of listening to it. Oh dear! So I, I need somebody else. I need somebody else as an audience. Yes. We can be your outlet then. We can be your therapy session to get it all out there and just to get all the golf stuff out your system, so you can talk about something else to the wife and uh, and kind of keep the golf conversation to a minimum. Uh, but in the end, you know, she married into that. That's what she has to expect. The golf is part she, of the deal. She she knew what she was she knew what she was married into. Um, <laughs> And and to be honest, just just in case she she does ever listen to this, um, you know she she's actually quite um, you know she's 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 really good, um, you know she she pushed me to play on a honeymoon because you know she knew it would be a once in a lifetime opportunity and you know she was very um she was very accommodating at at the wedding when you consider that I actually got married at my golf club where I'm a member, um we had you know we, we was there all day I actually went out and played played in the morning, um of the wedding and 
you know, instead of instead of having table numbers, we had um, you know, we had we had the top named after famous golf courses, oh. and the the favors were personalized golf balls and personalized golf tees. So it was a bit of a golf themed wedding as well. And you know, I appreciate the fact that she uh, she's quite accommodating when it comes to that sort of thing. Well, indeed, uh, she certainly is accommodating, and that's a beautiful story. And this shows you what true love really, really means when it comes to a golfer. And actually, after 50 minutes of this podcast, now having listened to that, the viewers are now aware that you're actually pretty much clinically insane when it comes to golf and addicted to it, given your, you themed your wedding around the golf course. That's amazing, and all the stuff you put, put into it. So, yeah, she's very accommodating. And in the end, behind every good golfer is a, is a really supportive partner and Matt certainly has that as well so his progress will certainly you know, continue over the winter months and uh, into the year ahead where hopefully he can tick off some more great golf courses so Matt thank you once again for your time on the podcast this week and uh, we enjoyed it very much and we'll certainly have you back whenever Owen's away trimming his beard or anything like that in the, in the weeks ahead and um, of course if, if you're listening to this right now over the weekend uh, and the first weekend of of November, you can still get involved with the Break Your Handicap Challenge uh, with Galvin Green and Golf Shake. We still have the last week of the social competition where if you come in with a photograph, a golf photo, with the hashtag never compromise to golf shake, that can potentially put you in a draw to win a Galvin Green layer. And we're now in week four, and it's a really nice jacket. So it's the best, most expensive layer we have on offer, and it's one that uh, I think anyone who wants to get some gear for the winter would, uh, would love to get involved get involved in excuse me so yes again i'm, I'm kind of losing my voice here I actually, <laughs> sorry matt on you go Kira, I, actually, I actually saw I, I actually saw the uh, the jacket that's up for up for grabs this week i believe is um, it very nice yeah it's, it's absolutely brilliant I, I saw it at the belfry on uh, on tuesday this week so if you are listening and you haven't yet gone online and shared your photos and, and used the hashtag um make sure you get on and do it because it really is a great prize this week yeah, see, there you go and, and there's a validation right there from matt holbrook and uh and of course, also the, the main competition is if you play this weekend and you go out there and you actually break your handicap, go on to Golf Shake and the score tracker, track your score. And if you've broken your handicap, you'll be automatically entered into a main draw. And the, the prize for that is actually a full Galvin Green apparel set. Everything, all, all of the above, will be yours. And also the chance to play around the golf with a, a top professional from Galvin Green on a top 100 golf course in the UK. So. That is a great overall prize as well. So get involved with that this weekend. The Break Your Handicap Challenge on Golf Shake in association with Galvin Green and indeed Never Compromise. So once again, thank you for listening to this week's Golf Shake podcast. My name is Kieran Clark and I'm alongside my very good friend here, the Golf Shake Ambassador, Matt Holbrook. Until next time, thank you. Cheers. <laughs>